Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are going to talk about an extraordinary origin story. Pearl, the prequel to X. Which we just talked about, what, a month and a half ago? A few weeks ago, yeah. yeah not that long well, ago. Well, wait, was it a month and a half ago? Was that that long ago that we talked about X? Might be. Man, time flies. Holy crap. I don't I don't remember when we talked about it. Everything, I don't either. It all just kind of melts <laughs> into one big movie marathon slash We watch a lot of movies, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, we've both seen X, so I think we can forego the whole, did you ever hear this movie? Crap that I usually do and, mm-hmm. uh, and dive into, the, you know, who's involved. All right. So, this was also directed by Ty West. It was written by Ty West and Mia Goth. I believe I talked about it when we reviewed X, but they actually wrote this while they were in quarantine to go film X because I think they filmed it in New Zealand. And Mm -hmm. at the time, New Zealand didn't have any COVID cases. So they had some pretty strict quarantine rules that you had to follow to get in and all that stuff. So they wrote a prequel to the X movie. This movie, Mia Goth comes back as Pearl. We've got David Cornsweet. Corn sweet? Corn sweet? I don't know. As the projectionist. Doesn't even write a name. Doesn't have a name. Yeah. Emma Jenkins Pirro as Mitzi. Alistair Sewell as Howard. Matthew Sunderland as Pearl's father. It doesn't even merit a name. And Tandy Wright as Ruth. Yes. Not very many people in here. There aren't. There's a lot of... There's a whole lot of interesting stuff going on, though. So we'll just we'll just dive into it. Yeah. This takes place in 1918, and Pearl is the Pearl that we know from X is actually a very young woman at this point. She lives with her parents in Texas, and her husband Howard is serving in World War One. Pearl's father is a I don't know how you say it invalid. Is that what that is? I mean, he's he's confined to a wheelchair, can't yeah. speak, can't talk, can't move, and her mom makes, or Pearl's mom makes her take care of him. Mm-hmm. And Pearl, all she really wants is kind of what Maxine wanted was to be a star. Mm-hmm. She wants to be on the silver screen. And so, like, whenever she goes into town, she'll sneak a peek into the picture show, mm-hmm. which at the time are silent movies, I guess. She wants to be. She wants to be a chorus girl. Ruth doesn't approve of this. Ruth is the mom. But she's also, Pearl is also kind of, you can sense there's something wrong with her. She kills a goose. Like and, really brutally too. Yeah, and feeds it to the alligator, which I'm guessing yeah. is the same alligator. The alligators live for a long time. They live like 70 years? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So let's back up a little bit and talk about when we first get introduced into this film. It has a very old-timey feel to it. It's filmed in a way that gives it that old golden age of Hollywood look to it. Mm -hmm. It's Technicolor. Filmed in Panavision, you know, that sort of a (laughs) thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's intentional. It is. It uh, is. Ty West did say that he, you know, he wanted this to be, this this is supposed to complement X's exploration of how the dawn of home video affected 
like humanity and this is this is more of a how the origins of of cinema affected humanity and in humankind so it's interesting he's got a third movie coming out in this series it's called Maxine and it's going to deal with Maxine after she gets off the farm gets away from Howard and Pearl Mm. I think set in the 80s or something like that but it's also going to explore yet another side of cinema and how it affects humanity and how it how it has changed things for humanity Mm, i'm fascinated by this this is a great idea so she's not only is she killing like a goose and feeding it to the alligator she's also beaten up on her dad a little bit also she's bathing her dad and then she like just strips down and bathes in front of him and stuff and it's like this is just weird yeah she's she's an odd duck let's just say she is very strange yeah. But one day when she's at, she's in town picking up her dad's medicine, she goes to the movies. And when she leaves, she meets a guy. He turns out to be the projectionist. And she uh, has a little flirtation with him. He offers her a cigarette. He offers that she could stop by any time and knock on his door and he can show her whatever movie he wants, whatever movie she wants, because he's the projectionist. He's in charge. Mm-hmm. She's a little taken aback by it, especially, I think, by her feelings towards him, mm-hmm. because she kind of gets a little upset about it. And then she takes off on her bike, which, here we go. So I wanted to talk about this because there is a definite, like, fucked up Wizard of Oz feel to this movie. That was actually one of the movies that... Ty West told Mia Goth to watch in kind of preparation for this. Okay, because she's riding around on a bicycle like the Wicked Witch of the West's character. I can't remember what what her character was in Kansas. She makes it out with a scarecrow, which doesn't happen in Wizard of Oz, at least not the normal Wizard of Oz. She kind of makes does more than make out with (laughs) this thing. I'm trying to keep it PG. And also, that thing is super creepy looking. Fine. We'll be completely honest, she dry humps the scarecrow. <laughs> she does. So there's a scarecrow, there's the bicycle, there's the the Panavision look to it and the 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 way that the titles kind of sweep in in this kind of a gone with the wind type of a, a fashion. It's all eliciting a very early dawn of cinema feel. Mm-hmm. Especially the dry humping of the scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> So, her mom notices that Pearl didn't give her all the change back when she gets back. And Pearl... Gets sent to bed without supper. Yeah. It's really weird. She gets sent to bed without supper because Pearl basically says, I used some of it to buy, you know, some food on the, for the ride back because I was candy. hungry. yeah. Which was, of course, a lie. She was yeah. at the movie theater. But... Her mom's like, okay, then you don't get to eat the food that I spent hours preparing. You can just, you know, go straight to bed. Mm-hmm. Which, that's kind of abusive, if you ask me. So she's not allowed to eat anything until morning. But then she sneaks out of the house that night and she goes to the projectionist. Mm-hmm. And there, he shows her a stag film, which actually is a real stag film. This is a I real... I saw that. Yeah, it's a real flick. He got it in Europe... He tells Pearl that she should 
be who she wants to be. He says, you know, you could be in one of these movies at some point if you wanted to. I would watch a movie with you in it, which is super fucking creepy, too. But, everybody's creepy. Yeah, everybody's creepy. <laughs> but Pearl says, you know, I'm not going to do this because I can't. I can't just abandon my family. But but she wishes they were dead. She does wish they were dead, which is interesting because who does that? This is just another one of those signs that something's not right with Pearl. Mm-hmm. She's just a little off. She's off. And then I think on top of that, you've got just a mom who's domineering very domineering and then you've got an invalid father and i don't know it just seems like a bad situation all around on top of the fact that she obviously has mental illness issues right and of course at that time mental health that wasn't a thing you'd even talk about right she will try to talk about it later but Mm -hmm. it's gonna go nowhere obviously because well mental health Mm-hmm. wasn't really, I mean, even now, it's just dawning on people that this is a very important thing, you know? We're yeah. Just in the dawn of that, I don't know, renaissance of, of mental health care, I guess. Later on, Pearl's sister-in-law, Mitzi, which is a great early 1900s name, <laughs> Mitzi, she tells, she tells Pearl that they're auditioning new dancers for a traveling show. And Pearl thinks that this is the way that she can get out of what she's stuck in, this rut that she's stuck in, this living with her mom, living with her dad, feeding geese to alligators, mm-hmm. waiting for her husband to come home while dry humping a scarecrow. You know, that whole thing. That, right, that little right. chestnut. You know, just break that chain. Right, <laughs> right. going to break that. So Pearl, she gets in more trouble with her mom. Mom finds a pamphlet that she took from the movie theater and they get into this just a wicked argument and they actually get physical pearl kind of shoves her mom and her mom kind of like get catches fire she gets pushed into the fireplace not really into the fireplace but gets pushed close enough to the fireplace that like her garments catch fire. a very flammable dress on right well, really I mean, flammable. Yeah, I mean, it goes up really, really, really fast. Yeah. So, can we back up a minute here? Yeah, back up. So, before this happens, mm-hmm. there's a scene where her mother tells her to take care of her dad. I think mm-hmm. it is, and she takes her dad for a walk. Yeah. Down to the lake. Right. Yes. Yeah, and right. she was going to feed her dad to the alligator. Yes. Yeah. That is pretty messed up. Like, uh, I mean, and it's because she wants to go travel around and do this show business thing, right? Mm-hmm. But her mom catches her. Right. I'm pretty sure her mom knew what she was doing, don't you think? She seemed to kind of have an idea that something wasn't right. I think, I think she did, but I also think that she thought that stern treatment would be the best way to handle it. That could be. Which obviously is not necessarily the case, but, you know. Right. Yeah. Anyways, we could continue with the burning of the mother. Yeah, well, okay. So after she tries to feed dad to the the gator, she ends up burning mom, as Mm -hmm. we talked about. And she's she's dying. Ruth is dying at this point. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, she's basically really badly burned. Like, I don't think there's a spot on her that isn't burned by the time she gets put out. 
Pearl, but did you notice that Pearl like threw the hot corn water on her? Did you <laughs> no. notice that like the boiling corn? It was water with corn in it. She just tossed it on her to put her out. Well, I suppose it's the only water they had, but <laughs> but it's a little. It's like it's like kicking her while but she's I'm, down a little I'm bit. I'm guessing you know? that'll be cooler than fire. I've never tried it, but I, <laughs> I don't I'm want to. You're probably right. You're missing. You're probably right. Not by much, I'm guessing, but you know, you're probably right. So she drags mom down to the basement and she leaves her dad in the kitchen and then she runs to the cinema and she bangs the projectionist. And Great later, foreplay, I guess, setting mom on fire. You know what? I, I don't getting know. Getting caught, getting caught, almost feeding dad to an alligator and then setting mom on fire is a great way to get all worked up. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess. Yeah. After she bangs the projectionist he says something to her about that cinema is going to revolutionize the industry the entertainment industry and he's going to capitalize on that which is almost exactly what wayne says about video in x which i found that i found that interesting i i like that they that they made that direct connection Mm -hmm. to that yeah it makes me wonder what this revolutionary thing in the 80s is going to be was it going to be the vhs player or something i don't know Could me who knows we'll find out as soon as maxine comes out i guess which by the way has been fast-tracked by a24 i don't know of anything that's ever been fast-tracked by a24 interesting yeah definitely definitely now did you feel bad for the mom yeah like i mean the mom is seriously fucked up yeah. But, like, she deserved to be burned alive and then dragged to the basement? No, no. She was definitely overbearing, overpowering. Yeah. Not a compassionate parent, but she wasn't evil to her. I mean, she wasn't, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess we didn't see it, but it didn't look like she was beating her or anything like that, you know? Right. I mean, she, was just, she was mentally abusive to her, but, like, it seems a little extreme. That... That does not warrant being burned alive, no. Nah, not really. Not really. When they when she comes home in the morning, basically the projectionist brings her home in the morning so she can go and she can prepare basically for her audition. He wants to come in, but he's not. she's not going to let him in right away because she, basically she's got to cover her tracks. She's got to set everything up so it looks at least a little normal, mm-hmm. not like, you know, oh, I burned mom here and then dragged her down to the thing, down to the basement. Now... While they're there, we get to see this pig that was left there by was it Mitzi or yeah. Mitzi's mom or yeah. something? They left for they left it there for Pearl's mom for them to have for dinner. But it's still sitting out on the porch and now it's got maggots all over it. It's so gross. It is gross. But we get to see it a few times and it's in varying stages of decay. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because it to me it's it it's it has to do with, or to me, it seems like it said to me something along the lines of, "If you stay still, if you stay in the same place, you just rot there." Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take it that way. Jealousy. But that's or, interesting. Or you could take it as jealousy. Jealousy is a rotting of the soul. That could be jealousy, and Pearl has a lot of jealousy yeah, in her. Yeah, she does. So, I mean, that, I don't know, that, it was representative to me, it was very important to me when I saw the film, 
that this that this pig was there. Yeah, it's gross. It, uh, no doubt, no doubt about that. But it felt like it was allegorical for something that was going on in the film. At mm-hmm. least maybe a couple of things that were going on in the film. Maybe it could be to her, like mental spiral too. Oh, like yeah. as as the yeah. the pig is decaying and her mental state is also decaying too. Oh, I that like could that. also be a. I didn't think I I don't know. Just kind of thinking. That's okay. That's off the top of my head, but yeah. yeah. Hey, that's what we do, right? We think off the top of our head and we come up with stuff. That's we just make shit it. up as we go. We do. We're making this whole thing up, <laughs> making the whole damn thing up. Well, okay. So after she invites him in, he sees like corn on the floor, and she's like, "Oh, the family dog got into it, so I put it down in the cellar because mm-hmm. there's noise in the cellar." Yeah. And then they go out to the barn so she can introduce him to the animals. And he mentions the dog, and she's like, what dog? Yeah. And this kind of just throws him off. He's like, all right, I'm done. Mm-hmm. There's not Something's not right here. And he tries to leave. But Pearl apparently has abandonment issues. She must. With this whole thing about, like, not wanting to leave the family, them rather them being dead than leaving them. Mm-hmm. Howard having left her to go mm-hmm. off to World War One, she's even going to talk about this later when when she sits down with Mitzi. Mm-hmm. So, like him trying to leave, her response to that is to take a pitchfork and stab him a bunch of times while he's trying to leave in the car. Yeah. Again, another overreaction by Pearl, I think. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a hair. <laughs> the slightest possible overreaction and then she takes the car along with his dead body and pushes it into the swamp where the gator eats it that i think is the first car in the swamp right there's plenty others there's gonna be others there's another one in there's another one in x we Mm -hmm. see it Mm -hmm. so this is where it all kind. this is you know yeah this is an origin story but this is like kind of we're seeing this is what her process is Mm -hmm. this is how pearl does her thing i wonder so i wondered while we were watching this how long it had been the last since the last time she killed before x do you know what i mean like yeah there's that one dude that was in the basement Mm -hmm. that i thought was the, the 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 cinematographer guy but it wasn't the guy with the rotting wang so, guy with the rotting wing. How'd you like to be that, right? That's your that's your name on film. Guy with the rotting wing, played by blah blah blah. <laughs> but other than him, there's no real mention of like how long they've been doing it. Has she been doing it over and over again? Has it been continuing since then? Because it, it seemed like an ex something like awoken in her. Something something awoken. Something had awakened in her that had been long dormant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know what exactly that was. Maybe it was because she was drawn to Maxine. She 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 related to Maxine, I think, because now we're seeing, obviously, she related to Maxine because of her predicament, her situation when she was younger was that. Mm-hmm. was very similar anyway. Right. Yeah. So after the gator eats the projectionist... Pearl gets herself dressed up in one of her mom's dresses. She dresses up dad, and then she smothers dad. Yep. What was the that she was using? Was that a pillowcase? It looked like a pillowcase to me, and I thought, you should be able to breathe through that. 
Well, I mean, he's infirm, right? So maybe he's not quite able to breathe through it. Well, I suppose, it, too, if if you get enough pressure on that and it closes off your nose and stuff, I suppose that would that would possibly well, happen. Either way, Dad's dead at this point. He's a goner. So he is a goner. Everybody's dead. And then after that, she goes to the church where the audition is being held. And she gives quite the performance thinking she you know she feels like this is she's really nailed it mm-hmm. but they reject her they say look we're not we're looking for somebody who is all american young and blonde <laughs> young and blonde all american which of course 1918 sure that makes sense <laughs> why not I, I can understand where they're why they're saying that not where they're coming from do you know what i mean yeah but this like this just sends her into hysterics she's like li- super over the top crying right. like just wailing like, like wailing yeah like like her dad just died or something it's almost as if this is like <laughs> as it's if. interesting because she doesn't she doesn't react to mom's death or her dad's death even the projectionist death Mm-mm. she reacts to this rejection mm-hmm. of her dream this rejection of these people who are she sees as the the gatekeepers to her dream. Yeah, definitely. She does. Yeah, she doesn't have any. She doesn't seem to have any guilt over the killing anybody. Yeah, there's no emotion there. Obviously, she's got maybe some kind of what's it called, like disassociated. What is that? Associative identity disorder. Yeah. Well, that's split personality. Or no, not that. She's just not able to maybe comprehend what that means, what she did. Schizophrenia? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the health issue would be mm. that is associated with that, but definitely something that she just does not have the emotional capability to understand what she did. So schizophrenia is typically a schizophrenic will hear voices, have delusions, have disorganized thinking. They will withdraw socially. They will have a decreased expression of emotional, like emotion. They lack, they, they lack empathy. They're more apathetic. They don't like to, they don't tend to relate well to other people. And, but it, but the real, the big thing for schizophrenia is hearing voices and having hallucinations. That's the big one. Mm. So I don't know if this is schizophrenia, but it's something. It is something yeah. like maybe like a like antisocial personality disorder, where you do like or some like people are tend to be impulsive, irresponsible. They tend to engage in like criminal behaviors that could maybe maybe fit. yeah. So because Pearl is all like like completely destroyed by this rejection. Mitzi takes her home, and she tries to comfort her. Mm-hmm. But you know, Mitzi says, "You know, you can tell me anything. We're we're you know we're sister in laws. You can tell me whatever, and I'm here for you." So Pearl 
launches into a huge monologue where she talks about how she resents Howard because he came from a privileged background, but he decided that instead he wanted to stay on her farm, even though he could have taken her away from all of this. She is so resentful of him that she was even happy that she had a miscarriage of for his baby, right? She says that she is feeling alienated. She's feeling insecure. She, this is where she kind of launches into this whole, something's not right with me. I don't know what it is, but I definitely don't feel right. I don't feel normal. She talks about how she has always felt a little off. Something is not right with her. She talks about how she finds pleasure in killing things. And she talks about how she killed mom and dad and that she killed the projectionist. And uh, Mitzi's like about ready to nope out. She's like, oh, good. That's great, Pearl. Thank you for sharing with me. I gotta go. Yeah. How do you excuse yourself from that, (laughs) knowing this person's probably going to kill you? Right. Oh, man, I knew she was a goner right off the bat. I did, too, yeah. Well, because she's young, all-American, blonde. Mm -hmm. I knew this was what was going to happen. I knew that she was going to end up dead. Yeah. I didn't quite expect it to be as visceral as it is, and it is visceral as fuck. But she tries to get away. She tries to, like... Just kind of excuse herself, you know. The way the best way she could have done that would be like, look, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. I got to take a dump. So it'll be maybe 10 minutes, okay? You're going to get a 10-minute head start. Or just to get out and maybe play along a little bit and just say, oh, you know, you know, that happens to everybody. And, you know, it's okay. And, you know, maybe just play along a little bit to just placate her and then get the heck out of there. You know, <laughs> you know we talk a good game. We really do. But let's be honest, if someone that we knew, that we were close to, admitted to murdering three people and having, like, delusions of grandeur, I don't know if I'd be thinking that fast on my feet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd be, like, playing along. I'd be like, you know what? Oh, man, look at the time, man. I gotta go. Like the most unconvincing like exit ever. Oh yeah, I would be chased down the the driveway with an oh, axe I'm, as well. I'm yeah. sure I would be too because I probably wouldn't even know what to say. Like you just <laughs> kind of have one of those probably blank stares on your <laughs> face, like what? just stare dumbfoundedly. Like I think my phone's ringing. I better go answer it. <laughs> oh my my my! Look at the time. <laughs> Oh my, look at the sun. It's time to go. But yeah, she gets a pretty brutal death there. Yeah, so, so. okay, so she she turns and runs, and Pearl chases her out of the house and picks up an axe, the axe that her mother was using to cut wood. So they, mm-hmm. they planted that axe early on. But she takes the axe, which is, uh, which actually, the axe is actually, the axe is actually on the on the movie poster. Oh, okay. So that's kind of cool. They, okay. they, they, they play to it. And she's in the same outfit that she uses to, she's in to yeah. murder Mitzi. And she... Basically chases her down, she pummels her with this thing, and then she chops her into little pieces and feeds her to the gator. Yep. Yeah. Then she goes into the basement, she goes down and she lays down with mom. And mom comes back to life, tells her that she loves her, she says I love you too, 
she kind of comes to this conclusion that her mom was right. She has to make do with what she's got. So she ends up basically trying to create a nice home for Howard when he comes home from the war. Wait a minute. Did you just say mom was alive? Okay. In her head, mom was alive. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To be clear, she was not actually alive. Mom is alive in her head. She's hallucinating. She's hallucinating. mom is alive. And... You know, she basically she says, "Okay, well, mom's right. I got to I got to make the best of what I can." So she decides to basically make a nice home for Howard, and he comes back from the war the next morning, and he shows up, and Pearl's mom and dad are sitting in the kitchen, dead, along with the rotting pig, which is further decayed, and Pearl greets him with a big smile that is the most uncomfortable smile I have ever seen. It is really creepy. So... Like Cheshire Cat Grin. That was originally supposed to be a few seconds and then still shot on it and fade out from there. Oh. But Ty... Ty West, is it? Yeah. Ty West says, let's just try something else. Just smile as long as you can. Yeah. And that's what they went with. Oh, man. this, This smile extends out over the credits. Uh-huh. Like the credits roll over Mia Goth's face while she is smiling, painfully smiling, painfully and just excruciatingly, obviously not a real smile. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Now, I have to ask, does Mia Goth just not have eyebrows? Does she have that Whoopi Goldberg situation going on where she just has ridges where her eyebrows should be? I didn't notice. I There was something that was just not sitting right with me about the look on her face. She has eyebrows. They're just really faint. Are you sure? Because I looked at a picture of her. Like, I, I, I swear to God, I'm looking at a picture of her right now. And I just don't see eyebrows. I see ridges where her eyebrows would be. She she does have them. They're just really, really thin. She has very, very thin eyebrows. I can't see eyebrows on her. Yeah. She most... has a very, like when she is, when she's got that crazy look in her eye, when she's acting like insane, mm-hmm. she, it gives her this weird otherworldly Michael Myersy look. Not having the eyebrows or having faint eyebrows or whatever we're calling it. But yeah. That it's just one of those things that, like, meh. Yeah, she definitely has eyebrows. I'm looking at a picture here where she's driving with a projectionist, and she definitely has eyebrows. Okay, go it's to her Wikipedia very, page. Very light. Go to her Wikipedia page and look at the picture that's on there, and tell me she has eyebrows in that picture, because she doesn't. <laughs> she just has ridges where her eyebrows would normally be. She's like Whoopi Goldberg, which I just found out about. I always assumed Whoopi Goldberg had eyebrows, but guess what? She doesn't have eyebrows. She, you can, it's the lighting. You can no, see the eyebrows what? there up at the start, and then they're very faint. I, I think it's the lighting coming off of there. She does have eyebrows. They're just very, very faint. All right, I'm going to need to do more research. <laughs> you have to do some more research about her eyebrows. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was that dance number that she did. Yeah. Do you feel like that was a good dance number? It was all right. It felt to me like very Napoleon Dynamite right off the beginning. <laughs> Like, straight away, I was like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. I felt embarrassed for her. Well, she obviously doesn't have any training whatsoever. Right. And her only 
thing she's ever seen is the picture show every once in a while when right. she can go see it. Yeah, so she's aping that as yeah. best she can. Yeah. Interesting. And she has no eyebrows, so it really fucking weird, man. <laughs> really weird. <laughs> okay, so do you have any other notes that you want to talk about? Just a couple. First, when she goes to the audition, there's an X on the floor, and that is kind of reference. Oh, yeah. It's, it's where she's supposed to stand, but it's right. also to reference the movie X. Right. Yeah, it was a mark. Just... It was it was the mark. You're supposed mm-hmm. to hit your mark. And that's what yep. they, That's how they always do it, actually. The other thing, Tandy Wright, who mm-hmm. plays Ruth, yeah. she was the intimacy coordinator on X. The what now? The intimacy coordinator. The and, hell is that? And she was offered the role of Ruth as the shoot on the first film was wrapping up. So she actually learned German for the role to do this. So she kind of did it really quick. So that way she could have a convincing accent. Wait, wait. Back up. What is an intimacy coordinator? Well, you've got a computer right there. You could probably look it up. An intimacy coordinator, sometimes called an intimacy director, is a member of a film or television crew that ensures the well-being of actors who participate in sex scenes or other intimacy or other intimate scenes in theater, film, and television production. Intimacy coordinators work closely with directors, movement directors, choreographers to help plan out intimate scenes with both actors along with other crew members. According to Intimacy Directors International, a nonprofit organization, all staff and actors, they're there to ensure that all staff and actors are aware of the context of the intimacy as part of the story, that they are there to communicate with about the intimacy and, and ensure that the communication takes place among the participants and and report and and that and the in, and indicates that like there are avenues for uh, reporting like harassment and then make sure that the actors continually consent to all scenes of intimacy so in other words you could be on board at first if you're not feeling comfortable later you could nope the hell out of there mm-hmm. and the intimacy coordinator is there to help you with that all scenes of intimacy are performed according to a previously agreed to choreography and that all actors are encouraged to mark the end of each intimate scene with a moment to signal the return to real life interaction. That is fascinating to me. Apparently, demand for the role grew in the entertainment industry after the Weinstein scandal and the Me Too movement. Makes sense. It does. Seems like this a pretty is... important role that probably should have been around a long time. Yeah, this is fascinating. <laughs> this is something I never knew existed. Obviously, it's still relatively new. This came about... 2016? 2016, yeah. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Very cool, too. Like, this is this is a thing, like, you got to keep everything professional. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. So anyway, so we've answered the question of the intimacy coordinator. <laughs> what is an intimacy coordinator? Next we week on Film 101, we'll be talking about <laughs> what is the best boy? Well, if I would have known you didn't know what it was, I would have looked it up ahead of time. But I figured you knew what it was. Never heard of it. And there's a good reason. I hadn't either, but like I, I, I'm not all into the film stuff as you are. So I am all into the film stuff. You are. 100%. <laughs> All in. What else you got? That is it. That's, That's all it. my no notes. alternate casting? Nothing? I No. I don't think there was. Uh, um, they went pretty quick with this. It was they? real. It was. Yeah. They started this. Like they said, they finished filming 
X on like a Friday and they were yeah. back in the office on Monday to start all the prep work for this. So mm-hmm. it was very quick turnaround time. Interesting, interesting. Just real quick, I do like that Mia Goth had a hand in helping to write this because it signals to me a bit more of an openness from Ty West to the, the contribution of an actor to a story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really like that. There, there is a, there is a, an element of filmmaking, television, theater that is not just the writer; it's an interpretation by the actor, obviously, and and that interpretation took on a more solid standing as a writer for Mia Goth. I really like that. I thought that was cool. I'm actually really looking forward to Maxine because of this movie. So. All right, so if you've got nothing left and I've got nothing left, that the only thing that we've got left to do is keep rent or erase, Jennifer, and why? I'm going to put this in rent. It's not a horrible movie, but there was definitely parts in here where I was kind of bored. I was oh. looking at my clock, like uh, looking at my watch. Like, I was like, you brought a clock? I did, a whole clock. <laughs> a whole clock. <laughs> looking at my watch. Checking the time. <laughs> like how much Flava time Flav, is? Right yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wear my big just old turn clock. Turn it upside down. Be like, oh, look at that. My my my. Look at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Flava Flav Davenport. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't come out all hyped on this movie. Of course, X was decent. I liked X a lot better than this. Okay. I don't know. This just was not super awesome but it wasn't terrible so i'm gonna put it in you know middle of the road rent i think so okay right how about you this one is like you said x was a much better film i felt this was still a good film i'm going to eke this over into keep and it's mainly because it's mainly because it is one chapter in an in a trilogy that in order to understand the whole vision of the director and the writers, we're going to need to see all of it before we can make a final decision on it. Without the idea that this was a continuing story, a connecting story with this and X and Maxine, I don't think I would have kept this one. I think this would have been a rent. It is a very strong rent. I agree. This, This movie is completely dependent on X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without the connection to X, mm-hmm. this wouldn't work for me. No, no, it's, there's, like, who is this person? She's just some weird chick that, you know, I, I mean, it, there's not, like, a lot of stabbing and, there is some stabbing, but it's not like a slasher film. Right, right. Why would I care about this person? You know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's just not quite enough to be a standalone movie, but it's, it's decent, I think, so far as, you know, a follow-up to the first one. Yeah, I, I do think, I think you're right. It feels like it could have just been a straight-to-Hulu movie if it wasn't connected to X. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I agree, yeah. Which isn't, I mean, it's not a knock on the, the filmmakers or anything like that, really. It's just that without the context, the greater context, it's a lesser film, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's, I think it's worth watching, but for me, honestly... I might watch this again someday, but this isn't going to be one I put on rotation or anything like that. So. I, I will watch this again probably several times, I'm guessing, because I like X enough and I'm excited enough about Maxine that I want to see the full story, the full arc. Sure. 
Uh, so I'll probably watch this and X and then go and see Maxine. And then once they were all out on video again, see them all three of them with maybe commentary or whatever, if I can, if they have it, I don't sure. know. Was, does X have commentary on it? Do you know the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever? I have no idea. Fine. I'll do my own research then. <laughs> I don't know. So, okay. So there we have it. Now, what are we doing next? What's next week? All right. Next week, we're going to cover Mr. Harrigan's phone. Mr. Harrigan's phone. Why does that sound familiar, Jennifer? Because it's a Stephen King book. Oh, it's a Stephen King book. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Isn't that a, it, it's another Netflix movie, right? Yep. Came out on Netflix. I don't know if there was a, a limited release to theaters because sometimes these Netflix and Hulu movies that come out, they do have limited theater releases. Right. I don't know if this did or not, but it's on Netflix and I know it's, is it a short story? Like, I don't think it's a whole novel itself, but I thought it was maybe a short story in like maybe one of his books that have a bunch of short stories in it. It's a novella. It's a, okay. it's like Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption or okay. The Body or Apt People or something like that. Something a couple hundred pages long, to which to any other human being would be a normal novel that they've published. <laughs> it's a Stephen normal King, it's book. A novella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To Stephen King, it's a novella. Yeah. All right. So there we go. And I've never read this story. I, I I don't have the collection that it came from. It's called If It Bleeds, but I do want it and I do want to read it. So maybe I'll have to pick this up before we dive into this flick and read the story if I've got time. That's, no promises, but that's I'll That's the give trick. Finding time. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what I can come up with. How about that? All right. So that's it. So next week on the couch, Mr. Hurricane's phone. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.